Welcome to the JT and Looney Podcast, episode 119. You know, football might be over for this season. It was great seeing JT and getting FaceTime and doing the podcast live from La La Land. Uh, but, you know, just because football's over, we got the NBA, we got college basketball for all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, uh, where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your phone. Sign up today. Get your 50% welcome bonus just for being friends with JT and Looney. And use the promo code BELIEVE, as in the Believe Radio Network, B-L-E-A-V. Spell it right, B-L-E-A-V. Get started with that 50% welcome bonus. And they've also got the NHL in addition to college basketball and the NBA. they got boxing, UFC odds. Oh, Olympic coverage. You can bet on the Olympics, too, from sports to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online's your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. And now the podcast starts. Yes. Hey, how you doing? In my boxer shorts, as my wife is making the bed in the podcast studio with a nice Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, nice. 2017 nice. earthquake as we're doing laundry before we get on a plane and visit our son in Tempe at Arizona State. Oh, nice. I, we had a, such a great time for the Super Bowl there. And you walked into that city and said, one of my sons would like to go here. You like projected that. Remember? I did. I don't recall it that way, but I when I went to Tempe for the first time as a Giants fan, when the Giants used to play in the NFC East, which they still do, uh-huh. the Arizona Cardinals played in the NFC East. Right. And they used to play every year in Phoenix. And in Southern California, in San Diego, me and a band of brothers of about 20 lunatic Giant fans, not from New Jersey, San Diego, would make <laughs> okay. it our annual trip. And that's where I visited the Tempe Phoenix Stadium Jail, where I got <laughs> jail. One of the few, uh, one of the few stadiums that have a jail. And do you recall that story? I don't know if I do. Tell it. Went there for Giants, and they were playing the Cardinals at the sun-drenched stadium. I mean, gorgeous. We're talking way back in the day in the '90s, Sun Devil Stadium. And the NFL's there, and the Giants are playing, and they had a punter named Jeff Fiegels. I remember it. Who was a big punter. And <laughs> after a few cervezas, because I was a young buck, I came all the way down from my seats, and I went right up to the fence, and Fiegels missed a punt. He whiffed on a punt. He kicked it off the side. It's called a shank mm-hmm. in the world of punting. And I came all the way down from my seat with my Giants gear on, and I yelled, Fiegels! Fiegels and literally the whole area of the stadium where I was heard me because it's quiet, right? It wasn't, <laughs> right, yeah. it wasn't the fourth quarter, two-minute drill, right. you know, drive of the ages, quiet. And I'm screaming at him, and he looks at me, and people look at me, and I did nothing wrong. No profanity, didn't right. throw anything, just exercising my right as a fan. And I went back to my seat, and security came. Did you, you didn't say anything to Fiegels, but Fiegels? Oh, I was screaming at him, Fiegels, you <laughs> messed up the bunt, just okay. going crazy. But again, no profanity, nothing crazy. Right. Went back to my seat. Someone must have called security. They took me, stuffed, and cuffed me. 
Wow. Put me in the jail. They had a Now, jail. did they do this to you in front of everyone in your yeah, section? Yeah, they asked me to ah. leave, but when I, but they didn't oh, wow. stop and cuff me at the seat. Okay, that's but good. But they asked me to leave the seat, and I went up to the concourse, and they walked me down to their little jail. I think the Eagles had a jail at that time, and they had one there in Phoenix. It was a holding tank. It was a right. waiting room. And I'm there, and it's like halfway through the game. It's probably the third quarter. So I think I'm there to the end of the game. I knew I didn't do anything wrong, so I wasn't nervous like I was going to jail. I wasn't right. drunk. I, wasn't, I didn't do anything. And then on my kids, true story, an elderly woman at that time, I'm in my 20s. She must have been in her, she probably 64, 65. She came all the way down to the waiting area and said, he did nothing wrong. He did oh. nothing wrong. He sits in my section. She didn't know me. I'm on the road, stranger. Wow. And for whatever reason, I didn't hear what was happening behind the scenes. They unlocked the cage. I came out. I came running into my section with my arms up. I'm back, and everyone was in my crew clapping. What happened? <laughs> so that was my Tempe story wow. where my son is now a freshman. So I hope he doesn't download the podcast. Well, I, I don't want to have him have any ideas. <laughs> I will tell you that I, I I didn't remember the story until you talked about the old lady. And then it all came rushing back because there's not many of either one of our stories that we haven't both heard 25 times, having been on the air all those years together. And it's the spoken word format. You tell stories. Uh, I never forget uh, for the longest time, the only NASCAR event I had been to was Watkins Glen. And at some point, about our fourth or fifth year into the show, you said, you have to go to another NASCAR event so you can have something other than that Watkins Glen story. <laughs> and how funny is that tonight yeah. as we download the podcast? We do it live, by the way. Mm -hmm. Everybody, quick secret. Most podcasts are fake. They're done days ago. Ours right. is live. We try to release it within 12 hours. The Daytona 500 is this Sunday. Oh, yeah. And the only reason I went is my mentor, our mentor, Andrew Ashwood, wrote the book, The Handoff. He convinced me to go to the Daytona 500 with Fox Sports Radio. One year, it was either 2003 or four, and I went, and it changed my life. I did the show. I remember doing the truck, the truck race the night before, the yeah. Daytona. And a guy by the name yeah. of Carl Edwards won. Oh, wow. I was going to ask if Jeff Bodine won. He's always no, Carl did Edwards won. Okay. He wasn't even on the NASCAR circuit. Wow. He was one of the trucks. And Andrew said, pick a driver. And that's when I got into Little E, Dale Earnhardt Jr. And unfortunately, one of the Daytonas I went to was when Dale Earnhardt Sr. died. <laughs> wow, I remember that and clearly. It was in that and so much so that I was driving back to St. Augustine to my in-law's house because after the race and Dale Sr. was taken to the hospital. So everybody didn't wait around in the track. You know, everyone was waiting at the hospital. And so, you know, it was time to go home. And there's traffic getting out of there. It holds 180,000 with the infield. And I get on the freeway and head up to St. Augustine. And I remember coming through my in-law's house and finding out that Dale Sr. died. And yeah. That was pretty heavy. And at the time, it just looked like such a benign accident. It wasn't a spectacular accident that killed him. And when you think about now with the, uh, what do they call? Is it the Hans device that they yeah, all the wear? Device, the neck and, device. And to remember they they fought that. Did you know also when you take a look, people think our country is so crazy fighting over masks. We also fought after over seat belts in this country and, not, and they saved so many lives. And not only that, we NASCAR fought back in the day. The drivers didn't want to wear seat belts. Before, even before they ever wore helmets, 
they fought against seatbelts in NASCAR. I mean, that's, that's what men those guys are. And they didn't want to wear the Hans device either. But then when the face of NASCAR died, they all started wearing that stuff. You know what's wild about the Daytona 500 coming off that? Imagine living your whole life as a baseball player in Little League and wanting to play in Yankee Stadium. Like no one, right. no bigger place to play. Right. Well, no one ever, no one ever died at Yankee Stadium running into the wall yeah. playing center field. Imagine playing football and wanting to play in Seattle with the 12s, the 12th man. Loud, one of the loudest places I've ever been to. No one's ever died at a Seahawks. Right. Imagine going back every year, twice a year, going on that same curve, same wall you pass, how many times a race, practice, qualifying, knowing, oh, that's where Dale Earnhardt, the biggest name in our race other than Richard Petty, died. So you, you think about putting your life on the line. And then his son has to go race there. And not only that, his yeah. son, who's thinking to himself, I only went into racing to get your attention because you never paid attention to me, and now you're dead. You know, just think how difficult that is for his son, thinking I finally, you know, found a way to relate to my father, and then he died. Yeah, I think it's a really big story because I talked, again, I interviewed Kurt Busch this week, and he's from Vegas, and he loves NASCAR, and he's really good. He's kind of having a second wind in his career. His brother, Kyle Busch, is a great champion racer. All they want to do is win the Daytona 500. I mean, of course they want to oh, win yeah. the cup title at the end of the year, but oh, you win it stuff. at Homestead oh. or Phoenix. Who gives a crap? You're in Phoenix or Homestead. Oh, you want it all? Great. It is a great accomplishment. Yeah, the Outland Trophy is fun, but the Heisman Trophy is yes. much more delicious. <laughs> you want to win. You want to win the Daytona 500. Yeah. And very much like the Masters, I'll make the same exact connection. The first major of the year is the Masters. It's the biggest one. So if you're not warming up well, if you're not winning at the Genesis at Riviera this week where you are, if you didn't win at Torrey Pines and you're just getting going, all of a sudden looming is the Masters. It's the first major. You can yeah. miss the cut, right? The first race in NASCAR is the Super Bowl. Yeah. The Daytona 500. After that, you sprint off to Fontana and you go to Bristol. And they have all kind of gimmicks about how you can win this and with that, you know, win, win juice boxes and points and timeouts. But it really is all about the Daytona 500. Yeah, You're the right. The Stones opening up their tour at Wembley. And then the next night, they're playing Albuquerque. You're like, wait a second. Wait a second. I saw the Stones the night before at Wembley, and now they're going out on the road. You want to win the Daytona 500. So that's special. It had a, it had a really cool impact in my career and my life as a sports fan. That I, want, I think I have passed down to my kids. We've been to a couple of NASCAR races, but my family and my culture doesn't come from that. It's the best example of trying something new. If you don't think yeah. you're into it, go. Same thing with UFC. I'm a boxing guy. Well, I went to a Conor McGregor UFC. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it was great. Oh, my so God, yeah. You've yeah. never been to a NASCAR race, and one's coming by in your region, and you're able to be in an infield, and they're playing Kid Rock and drinking kegs of beer, and there's a flyover, and everybody's going nuts. Go do it, because I think you'll really enjoy it. They used to do Fontana in California one week after the Daytona 500 every year, but then eventually, surprisingly, they moved it out of Fontana because it was always too cold, so they couldn't get a big enough crowd because it was always unseasonably cold. You know, you can always depend on weather in Los Angeles and Southern California, you know, maybe except for February, and that's when they used to have it. 
I still went out a couple of times and had a terrific time so I could have more than my Watkins Glen story. But it was part of upstate New York life. You're in downstate New York, much more cosmopolitan cloth coats. In upstate New York, it's fun. I'm from Massapequa, home of the Butterf- <laughs> Joey Butterfuco and the That's Baldwin true. brothers. Have you been following Alec Baldwin in the news? Oh, yeah. The shooting on the set where he said he didn't okay. shoot the gun. Yes. Remember when he said, oh, the, ma- the magic bullet, the magic gun? He didn't shoot the gun, and that's on the news every night, and I sit there my, with my head in shame and go, I'm from Massapequa. <laughs> but don't act like I grew up on Park Avenue. That's true. In New I know. York City, like Anderson <laughs> Cooper did. Okay. did okay, you're right. We both did party in the woods. We had made forts in the woods. Both We do have that in common somehow. And uh, and so in upstate New York, you know, Joey Burke across the street was always working on cars. And my brother with Joey was always working on cars. And my brother was a motorheaded. Danny Sempler lived two doors down and they own Sempler Honda. And my brother was already a motorhead and three boys move in two doors down when we're about eight years old and their dad owns the Honda shop. And my brother mowed lawns and got a mini bike and Danny had a mini bike and they would race in the backyard. I never was able to get a mini bike, JT, and I would have loved to have one. You know why? Because I couldn't save my mother, my, my money like my brother. My mother wouldn't buy us anything that would kill us, but she said we could buy our own. And, um, so I never had a mini bike, but nevertheless, grew up around the motorheads, loved the motors, didn't care how they ran. I, I think we're alike in that department. We love the cars, but we don't care how the carburetor works. And we have the NAS- NASCAR was Formula One growing up. and uh, I mean, Watkins Glen was Formula One growing up, and then eventually it became NASCAR. So always was part of, you know, I was always in and around it in upstate New York and hunting and fishing, but you have to be quiet to do those two things. So I never did those either. A couple of things are fascinating me right now for years. We went 14 years on the radio together, highlight of my career. And one of the things you always say is it's about the children. Oh, the children. <laughs> oh, that was my cliche. About, what well, about the children? What about the children? I used to call it the, what about the children card? One of those cards. Yeah. Yeah, and why would you say that? Typically, what would the debate topic be where you would say oh, that? Well, it's one of those trump cards that people use. People use say that about the race card. The what about the children card? It's a trump card to to try to put the kibosh on any decent argument or to, to put the kibosh on adult behavior. Adults should be allowed to do adult behavior and adult things, whether or not there's children in the world. And people would pull out that trump card whenever they wanted to try to win an argument. All right, so I have a topic for this. Okay. Uh, please, let me, let, me, let me rant. Okay, go ahead. Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. Oh, boy. Pete Davidson's involved. Kanye's oh. mentally for a long time. Yeah. He's the Antonio Brown on steroids. Ah, you're right. Remember everyone says Antonio Brown's crazy? He's whacked. He's out of his mind. Well, multiply that times 10 with Kanye. Brilliant artist. artist music's amazing. Fashion. Making all that money, never debate that. But he is mentally way out there. Then you get Kim Kardashian, who wants to be an attorney, and she's out there with selfies and the family and the mother of the year, Kris Jenner, and all that. And they decide to hook up because they're only celebrities. They didn't bump into each other at the grocery store. Okay, they didn't meet each other online. <laughs> Wasn't a whole food. They didn't bump into each other at Whole Foods and Sherman yeah. Oaks. <laughs> so our country's so batshit crazy. We watch this and we accept yeah. it because they're together for a long period of time. And they seem to be in love. So they decide to have children and they get married. And they've had multiple relationships. And Kim Kardashian's had multiple boyfriends and husbands. 
But after a year or two, you're like, yeah, you know, whatever. Kanye's a legend in music and hip-hop. Kim's making a billion dollars, and we're used to it. Now, Kim's with Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live, who's also batshit crazy, probably a great guy from Staten Island. Lauren Michaels loves him. Eddie Murphy loves him. He's talented, but probably batshit crazy because he's dating Kim. Kanye's losing his mind. So we're all up to date, right? This is what's happening. Yep. What about the kids? So let me stop. What about the children of Kanye and Kim who the parents are jet setting and taking the kids and not talking to the parent and taking them all around the world and mom's dating a new boyfriend. Kanye's sending trucks of roses to get Kim back. He's following Pete Davidson, kind of lightly threatening him. Pete Davidson's poking Kanye. Can I say what about these kids? Do these kids stand a chance other than the billions of dollars they're going to inherit or hundreds of millions? Yeah, this isn't usually when I played the card. I usually played that card. I mean, made fun of that card when people were trying to stop adults from doing adult things or Adam marrying Steve or whatever it was, whatever we were talking about on the radio back in the day. And I don't always remember what the topics were. But, you know, I've always been a children's advocate, and I really I really push for parents living together at home. We talked about this uh, at the Super Bowl last week. Parents, at least even if they're not getting along, doing their best until the kids are 18 and out of the house or at least 18 and emancipated and and old enough my friend growing up since kindergarten one of my wonderful friends a musician his wife a musician they toured the world with some of the biggest bands and they realized when the kids were 10 and 8 that they're you know she she was on the road more than he was it wasn't working out they stayed together until the kids graduated high school that's what you do and yeah, this to do this to argue in public yeah you're making a good argument for what about the children here but for, well, doesn't uh, child protective services have to come in i'm not joking i'm saying if it's this insanity because chris jenner and all of her kids combined are worth billions plural not a billion right one of the daughters is worth that like shouldn't child protected services come in and look and go hey kim we're not saying anything's wrong can we talk to you for 10 minutes hey kanye can we talk to you in the other room for 15 minutes and just oversee this insanity for the kids yeah and a lot of times child protective services uh probably should come in they tend not to bother wealthy people right uh a and uh and b i don't know if we have cared about children ever if you think about wars and fathers especially we have thought of fathers as as indisposable as just like uh it's not necessary forever uh even even and it's sometimes it's the father's fault saying nothing nothing means more to me than my family uh, and then God and country, except obviously the country comes calling and the country means more than their family. I don't think the country should mean more than your family should go out and fight in wars, whether it's the Mongolians or the Americans. Mongolians. If you got, if, if you got kids stay home, let the single people fight the wars. It's always been a passion of mine. Just, you know, I, I didn't, my dad died before I went to kindergarten. So that's part of the chip on the shoulder that drives me about this issue. So of course this drives me crazy because you know, sometimes, you know, I, that that's pretty big, big childhood trauma when your dad dies before your first day of kindergarten. However, childhood for everybody, everybody has their own trauma. No need to inject any trauma yeah, but, in any but children's lives. What am I, what am I, I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting this from you, 
but kind of because of the chaos that these kids are seeing in this relationship now that's all over TMZ, all over the tabloids. These kids are still young, very too young for that, but getting older where they're going to see this very quickly, very quickly. They're going to see the insanity and how toxic their parents are because they have all this money. I won't compare it to children of Mongolia. I get that. (laughs) I will say, like, shouldn't we oversee these kids and check in and ask them how they're doing as Kevin Frazier's doing entertainment tonight? It's Kanye versus Kim and Pete, and it's all over the Daily Mail. Shouldn't someone knock on the door and go, why are you putting your kids through this? You're going to ruin these kids. Financially, they're going to be fine, but you're manipulating them because you're putting them in this fishbowl of this insanity. And children are so resilient and have a great sense of uh, when they're uh, um, cognitive dissonance. When you're kids, you can have something traumatic happen and then go back to playing with toys. So sometimes it's hard to get out of children when they're that young. And when they are under 10, exactly how much trauma they're going through. And the parents will always say, oh, they're fine. Oh, the kids are fine. Yeah, th- That's a great I, point, man. Oh, yeah, The kids they, are fine. Uh, you know, how, how many times have we heard decent people who aren't in the media and TMZ that we know say that? And you wonder if it's really true. And usually it's not. It's a very good point. I want to include in the podcast my really cool experience with Stephen A. Smith. Okay. This is great. So Stephen A. Smith worked with us at Fox Sports Radio. And I'm not going to give too much of the story how we met, but he was working doing mornings for us nationally. And we were doing our 5 to 8 p.m. slot, Pacific time, whatever it was. So Stephen A. Smith, this is long before he was Stephen A. Smith. He was a journalist from the Philadelphia Inquirer, starting his career off in radio nationally. And we make the greatest decision of all time, not we, but the network, hire Stephen A. Smith for the morning. And you go back in the hot tub time machine and go, holy shit, how lucky did our former employer get by hiring Stephen A. Smith? He's one of the sharpest media minds of all time, currently the highest paid guy. I won't get into why he was released and dropped. It had nothing to do with him. It had no to way. do with the ignorance of people who didn't see his talent. <laughs> didn't know how to use his talent. In all certain that, all markets. The... I'll leave you at that. That's a riddle. That's like the Riddler in Batman. I'm just giving you yeah. that. They let go of Stephen A., but before they let they him go. They were listening to the chatter in certain markets instead of oh. less, letting the talent be talent. The consultants, the fake consultants in radio who don't get this because they don't get it, this is way over their head. So we got Stephen A. Smith right before he's not renewed or whatever happens. One night he's doing a game in Boston, and he's got to be in New York early in the morning to do his show Eastern time at six in the morning, 3 a.m. Pacific. He leaves the NBA finals or a deep playoff game with the Celtics and he's driving from Boston to New York and he calls me and he goes, hey dude, can you help me stay up? Can you help me stay up? I got this two hour drive. I'm like, brother, I got you. And we're talking back and forth and we're talking for about 45 minutes, 50 minutes. And then he's getting to about 30 miles outside of New York where they made him work. Like, this is the morning you give the guy off, right? Right, right He's working right. the NBA Finals in a city, and he doesn't have to race home. God forbid something happens, and he's outside New York, and it's probably 20, 30 miles outside New York, and he goes, thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Thank you for doing this. I go, anytime. Call me. I'm here for you. So we barely kept in touch. Then we reconnected, and now I work on Mad Dog. He listens to me every night. 
Oh, wow. The Knicks are up 28 points to the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets don't have James Harden, right? They traded him. Ben yeah. Simmons is in street clothes. <laughs> Saw Durant's this game. injured. Durant's injured, okay? so And Kyrie's not allowed to play because of a vaccine mandate in New York City. Perfect storm. They lose a 28-point lead. I lose my mind. My head pops. Yeah, the Knicks lose a 28-point lead. You're New York Knicks. I look it down at my phone. He goes, get me on. I'm looking at the text. He goes, put me on. I go, okay, I'm at the top of the hour. How about the top of the hour? He goes, yeah, I'll call in at the top. So I want you to listen to a little Stephen A. Smith right now. Here's what Stephen A. Smith just a couple nights ago said about the Knicks. The New York Knicks are trash. They're horrible, JT. And so disgusted, I, 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 I can barely contain myself. You lose a 28-point lead to a team that doesn't have Kevin Durant, doesn't have Kyrie Irving, doesn't even have Ben Simmons, that's led by a rookie in Cam Thomas who scored 16 points on you in the fourth quarter. You lose to a Brooklyn Nets team that came into your house, forfeited a 28-point lead, it's no excuse for it. I mean, I, it's from top to bottom. It's horrendous. It's a nightmare. So you can hear his passion. They're trash. He goes crazy. So the follow-up to this, I think you'll like. I'm a name dropper. Right. Like you are. Yeah. If you meet famous people, you should tell people. Well, yes. I'm from Elmira, New York. In Elmira, you run into prison guards. Now I live in Hollywood. You run into famous people. That's the way it works. And I go to sporting events and you live, run into them. So before Stephen A. calls into the show, he's not a book guest. He just calls in. Here's what he said about his conversation that he hung up on before he called into me. I just got off the phone with Spike Lee. I told him for once in his life, damn it, be defined about the New York Knicks. Don't go to games. Don't go and cheer them on. We got to do something to stop this perpetual level of trash to continue stenching this city. We've got to do something. So he's talking to Spike Lee. Wow. And he's telling Spike, hey, Spike, you just heard it. Maybe, maybe by you not going, maybe that'll change it. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's pretty deep, right? Spike's the face of the Knicks <laughs> since the Ewing era and before, going all the way back to Clyde. And Stephen brings up an interesting topic, which I don't agree with. I wouldn't leave my team to protest. Not that Stephen A., I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but he's, he's talking to um, – He's talking to Spike about how bad it got and maybe Spike by stepping away. I thought he inferred to that would send a message to all the New York fans, Tom. Do you believe in the voodoo boogaloo stepping away for a protest, stepping away? Maybe things get better if you look away. I used to do that with the Lakers all the time. Do no, you do any no. type of hocus pocus? I know you don't do protests. We've talked about that over the years, but walk out in the third quarter and stuff like that. But do you do any hocus pocus, any superstitions when you're watching your favorite teams? Well, I, I don't do, I, I'll move around in a chair. I'll do this or that. But what we're talking <laughs> about in theory is I wouldn't, if I got so pissed off, if I was so out of my mind, because my, my teams, especially the Yankees and the Knicks, I'd never protest by not going. Oh, no, you're, you're, you're punishing yourself. Yeah, because Spike, what's great about Spike is Spike, when he goes to a home game, the opposing fans and coaches and the players on the opposing team who are probably most likely better than the Knicks. That's right. the point of the whole Steve Ray. <laughs> They're better, right? Allen right. Iverson comes to town, right? Anybody who comes, Luka Doncic comes to town. They want to talk to Spike, so that's why Spike has to be in a seat. But I just wanted to uh, thank Stephen A for being loyal enough to be thinking about me when I'm in the middle of a rant 
He didn't have to call in. And he's like, yeah, that's my guy. I'm going to go check in with him and help help his show and make it better. And he does that. He's that, he's that cool of a guy. I really want to thank yeah, him. Yeah, people don't realize sometimes maybe they might hear the loud guy, just like with you, the loud guy on the radio and don't know that there's a quiet John or a quiet Steve. Uh, a Stephen A. Smith will sit, you know, at, at a fight, and you know he's not doing monologues while he's sitting in a fight. I was, I sat with him when he worked with us. It was the Manny Pacquiao, uh, Oscar De La Hoya fight. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, and we are, we have, ah, you can, yeah, we, we really? had great, we had great seats, and I think it's because his name was also on the Fox Sports Radio uh, dais, and so we had great seats for that fight, and I'm watching. And I'm sitting right next to him, and he and Oscar De La Hoya is getting his ass beat up against the ropes. And I said, "Is he playing? Is Oscar De La Hoya playing possum, or are we just watching him age out in front of our face?" And Stephen A. says, "One or the other." <laughs> Is he getting old right before our face, or is he playing possum? One or the other. God, he's good. What a beautiful. Yeah, you know, such and, great stories. That is, that is a great story about Stephen A. ringside yep. for a fight. Oh, yeah. And I spotted him, you know, because you know I love language. And I would love to, you know, the way he speaks, I get excited and stammer and I go crazy. I'm emotional when I talk and I would love to put words together as well as he does. When he, you know, he and he worked at Fox Sportsnet. He was a Fox Sportsnet talking head. Yeah, he was. When Fox Sportsnet launched and needed personalities to compete with ESPN. And we brought in Chris Myers, Keith Oberman, Stephen A. as a talking head. And I started, once I started with Best Am, I started paying attention to our own product. I wasn't paying that close attention to Fox Sports. Not at the time. And then we launched Best Am. So I said, let's watch, watch my teammates, see how they do. I saw him uh, uh, on, you know, their nightly sports show that competed with Sports Center, And I'm like, who's this guy? And I just thought the beautiful way his syntax, his vocabulary, the way he puts one word in front of the other, one of the other. The way he died is just so No, you didn't. Beautiful. No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, from the hyperbole to just the thought process. You look at that and you say, wow, I want to put my thoughts together like he does. And because I, I enjoy the spoken word and great speakers, and I, I spotted him right away in 2001. A couple of quick things on this. I love this topic because Stephen A is a good guy. Yeah. The fact that he doesn't read his show. When you go on first take and you're across, oh, yeah. this week he debuted with Christopher Mad Dog Russo. They started off, he does Michael Irvin, right? Then he has it because he doesn't have Skip anymore. Right. So, and I know Shannon's people, great guy, but let's stick to Stephen A. Stephen right. A, when they write notes pre-show meeting, you can't put that in the teleprompter. You can't oh. put those words, <laughs> let alone spell check them, and right. then edit for two hours and do that. So he's on the cuff, which is why he's brilliant. While other people in the media, everything has to be read on a teleprompter, and I mean word for word. Right. So that's what makes him more unique than other people because he doesn't need a three-hour pre-show fake bagels and locks meeting where everybody tells him, hey, you didn't watch the game last night because you don't like sports. We're going to tell you what to pretend to like. That's his claim to fame. Number two, he's humble. 
He's humble. Oh, people wouldn't, humble people wouldn't believe it. Yep. People wouldn't believe it. How quiet but, he is in person. But I just wanted to share that story because he cares about media. And wouldn't it be great someday if some of these fake consultants talked to an executive or two and said, excuse me, over here, um, why'd you get rid of Stephen A 10 years before he became Stephen A? Or yeah. said to him, oh, excuse me, why did you let Stephen A get away from your network when he was right in front of you every day and you missed out on that? I would like to hear the consultants ask that question. I had the conversation with my brother today about he watched a Joe Montana documentary on Peacock. I watched think it, it was great. And and oh. my bro yeah, my brother went to Notre Dame at the same time as Joe Montana. And by the way, my brother always said he was the best basketball player. Joe Montana was the best basketball player my brother ever saw live. He played bookstore really? basketball. Yeah, and they even covered it, I think, in, in the first part of that. But we were also talking about how coaches – don't always know, and you see it on draft day, experts, it's amazing how things can get right by. How Kurt Warner never would have been discovered if Trent Green didn't tear his knee up. True. And, you know, he was a backup on the Green Bay Packers. He's probably better, better than Brett Favre, but they had their mind made up. And it happens in all walks of life, and it happened to Stephen A. Smith at Fox Sports Radio. They didn't realize what they had, that they had Patrick Beverly was playing in the D-League in his first game with the Houston Rockets. They brought him up because someone got hurt. He scored 39 points, and then he never went back down to the D-League again. And that was that was like ESPN getting Stephen A. Smith. He scored 39 points in his first, in his first show at ESPN, and they realized, wow. We're lucky to get this guy, and we were really unlucky to lose him at Fox Sports Radio. But you know that happens. And you mentioned about teleprompter stuff. I don't want to. I want to. We don't want to forget this. One of our favorites ever wrote had almost every word of the show written out. David Letterman was always worried he would come out one day and not be and not have it. So he always wanted everything loaded and even or he was always worried about brain farting. Even say, say hi to Paul Schaefer. There was a card that said, say hi to Paul Schaefer. So he, he had everything up just as a crutch. Could you imagine what a pain in the ass that was? But <laughs> and so but he had and so sometimes but the, the great broadcasters and orators are able to take words out of a teleprompter and improvise and have a. Uh, uh, and have a good spoken word day. But Stephen A. Smith has no teleprompter. Uh, I want to mention NordVPN, a new sponsor here on the JT and Looney podcast and with the Believe Radio Network. I had to look up what a VPN is. A VPN is a virus protection network, a virtual protection network. You know, they kind of hide your Internet activity in your location to avoid being tracked so you can freely browse the Internet without worrying about big brother looking over your shoulder nordvpn gives you peace of mind world's best vpn service fastest connectivity most servers next gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure plus you can use your nordvpn on all of your computers and devices no matter the operating system so grab your exclusive NordVPN deal right now. Go to NordVPN.com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. Use the promo code believe, B-L-E-A-V. And get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. If you, It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's NordVPN. 
Get yourself some peace of mind with Nord. Can I blow your mind away? Sure. Okay, you and I went to Dealey Plaza. Yeah. John F. Kennedy was assassinated. We went together. We went to the grassy knoll. We walked every inch of it, both sides of the street, booked depository, saw everything. So strange I was talking about that today. So one of my buddies, H, one of my best friends in my wedding, I was in his wedding, told me you have to watch on Amazon Prime, JFK, The Smoking Gun. Okay. And the reason why is I was born November 23rd. The president was assassinated November 22nd. Wow. I was born years after him. So my entire life, my birthday, all Co- that was on. Coincides with the saddest yes. day in America. That was it. No, all that was on when I was 6, 7, oh. 12, 19 was that. All weekend long marathons of that. Oh, God. So I kind of studied it a little bit. I knew about it. You know, the Warren Commission, everything that went on around that. So he says, no, no, no. Stop. Watch this. So Australian detective Colin McLaren puts out a documentary in 2013 that I watched earlier today about this. So there's either the Oswald theory, which no one believes that Oswald by himself assassinated Kennedy, the grassy knoll that the other gunman was on the grassy knoll, or there was something else that happened that wasn't right, right? We can all agree on that. It wasn't the three bullets in a row. There was a bullet that missed. There's a whole bunch of stuff. So I'm going to ruin it for everybody because movie's been out. How can you ruin the JFK assassination? (laughs) It's like Titanic. We know how it ends. Turns out this is the deepest dive I've ever seen. Okay. In the 20 Kennedy documentaries I've seen, the best one. Number one. Number one. Turns out his theory is the person who does the fatal shot that really does all the damage Mm -hmm. is the Secret Service. Two cars behind him with the Secret Service member who grabs the AK because chaos is happening and he's the guy who fires the kill shot. And there's 15 witnesses. Eight of them say they saw the gun. They saw the rifle come out of the Secret Service vehicle to a person. It's in the Warren Commission. No one studies it. They show a little bit of video. They They show that bullet did more damage than the other two because there were different bullets. One went through barely through the back of the neck and did so much damage, but the one that did the shot that we know that's so graphic was right there behind him. wasn't the grassy knoll. And this guy put together this Do you believe this theory today? No, no. Okay, all right. No, it's too radical of a theory for me. Yeah. But it was explained so brilliantly with all the expert testimony that goes back to this one gun that was a part of the Secret Service that had to be on site in case something like this happened, had to be on the floorboard of the car a couple behind, and no one accounts for it. And they all admit it was there. And Secret Service guys say it was there. And then you saw the damage of what happened. So I recommend everybody go out and uh, Amazon Prime, JFK, the smoking gun. If you're into that conspiracy theory of what actually happened, this one's done really well. Things that have a great impact on your life. We went up to Cuca Lake every summer. We never watched television. We watched television twice. We came in, sat down, were made to watch a two-day documentary on PBS about Leonardo da Vinci, Changed My Life, two-day documentary on Martin Luther King. Same age, you know, I'm probably 8, 9, 10. My friend David Llewellyn, who listens to this podcast, 
and his father does, David Llewellyn Sr. And my father and David Llewellyn Sr. were friends because an old-fashioned public school you sat alphabetical order. So they were always sitting next to each other in school, ended up becoming great friends, and ended up living up the street. So it's a great small-town story. Growing up with David Jr., who was a friend of mine, was like growing up with Jim Carrey. We were both stand-up comedians at a young age. How about that? At age eight, he, we were both ventriloquists, both read Mad Magazine and National Lampoon. So anyway, his dad, who was a teacher, took us to Elmira College to a seminar on the JFK assassination. And I just grew, I grew up in a, a, an Irish Catholic Kennedy-loving house. I just always assumed it was one loner, loser, as my mother always called Lee Harvey Oswald. And they had this entire demonstration with slides, a <laughs> slideshow with the Kennedy assassination and the guy with the umbrella on Dealey Plaza and on, on a sunny day. The umbrella goes up, the shots go off, the umbrella man leaves. And I also became, you know, Martin Luther King, Leonardo da Vinci, JFK assassination, huge, huge part of the blueprint of my life. I can't wait to watch that. And the hook to this whole thing, which now I agree with 100%, and I'm going there the rest of my life, is the first two bullets, you know, the ones that look like wood that yeah. came from you know, the Civil War that mysteriously right. showed up, the magic bullet, and the bullet that did the damage, that did the damage to the cranium and all that. Right were obviously different bullets. Obviously. You know, two completely different types of bullets, and there's no way that Oswald could have got all three off at the same time, but the one that did the big damage be the same bullet that mysteriously showed up at the Parkland Hospital on the gurney. Yep. On the gurney, it just showed up, and everyone's like, okay, that's a bullet. And Arlen Specter's talking about it at the Warren Commission, and everyone's like, no, stop. Something happened. This is a good documentary to prove it. Okay. Thank you for listening to all 40 minutes and 42 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast. You win the Michael Ryan award for doing that. Oh, and I, I need to mention this very, very important because we have a sponsor. Well, we have more than one sponsor, but we need to say at the end of every podcast, almost like the legal ID W-E-N-Y Elmira. We had to say that at the top of every hour. We've got to say the JT and Looney podcast is powered by Believe. It's kind of a legal thing we have to do at the end. It's good business. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.